All right, we're recording now. Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Holt. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a 12-month practitioner mentorship where I help other nutrition pros level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. Okay, fine. It's happening. All right, I'll stop. What's up? <laughs> oh, you know, just just rant. We're each comparing the size of our calendars. <laughs> like, Yours is bigger. I think mine's bigger. Mine's like a geriatric size, apparently. <laughs> what do you have, like a traffic keeper full of appointments? Basically, basically. Well, I live in... in Scott keeps trying to get me over to Google calendars, and I... I like throw fangs at him every single time he says that because I need a handwritten like yep. book or it I, does not process in my brain. I agree. I need to see an entire month at a time and I can't see just like a few words of whatever appointment it was. I need to see everything. Like I just felt like the online calendars would cut things off and yeah, it's just not going to work. It's not going to work. I, um, I, this is like a couple months ago, somebody that I'm friends with on Facebook posted like looking for a new appointment keeper, whatever they're called, calendar. <laughs> and so many people chimed in. There was probably like a hundred comments of people chiming in. I'm like, people are serious about their yeah. calendars. America. Like, I mean, we, we all have like eight different places we're supposed to be in, uh, you know, at a given time. So gotta, gotta keep it up, keep it up. That's so funny. I was voxing with Alicia today, this morning, and I like went off on a whole tangent about the word busy. And I'm like, everybody needs to strike the word from their vocabulary because everybody's using it and it doesn't mean anything anymore. Oh, Erin, you got you got fired up? Erin <laughs> fired up. Uh, Holt? Yeah. Would Kyle? You almost call me Jowett? I almost called you Jowett. Yeah, it's so hard. Even even your name in my, in my phone is Jow Mama. Yeah, um, it's a hard one to let go of. It really is. It was a good one. Um, yeah, it's just like, have you had a conversation with anybody, anybody in the last, I don't know, six months who didn't use the word busy? I'm so busy. Every single Sunday, my mom's like, it's going to be a really busy week, Kyle. And I'm like, <laughs> yep, uh-huh. it's just like you are on repeat. And I feel like it's the same <laughs> for everyone, for everyone. I love that that's like who you talk to, your mom and your cats. Basically, yeah, the cats have the cats aren't busy. They don't. They don't. They're not doing shit. <laughs> Lazy. Oh, those fine felines. <laughs> okay, so what's happening over there with you? I am not going to say that I'm busy, but my world is robust right now. So I um. We're going on vacation. We're like going on our off the grid vacation. First, we're going to go to Bar Harbor for a couple of days, and then Bahaba, we'll Bahaba, and then we're going to keep going up. I don't know, up, left, right. I don't even know. Sure, sure. Somewhere we're going to go to this amazing place. It's uh, Scott's uncle's cabin, and it he has a private beach 
on the lake. It overlooks Mount Katahdin. It's the most, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. That sounds miserable. And you cannot, there's no internet. Like there's, they <gasps> pump in water from, I mean, there's like no electricity. They pump in water from the lake and there's no internet. There's no phone. I was wicked anxious about it last year because I'm like, how is this going to work? And like with Hattie and all that stuff. And it was the greatest four days of my life. I swear. I came back so refreshed. So well, yeah, you don't have the option. It's not, it's not like option. it's, there's, it's completely off the table and that's kind of what you need. It was like you woke up, you had your coffee, you read a book. It was so slow going and it was just exactly what I needed. So, I mean, the timing of it is funny because I'm launching a brand new program, the Carb Compatibility Project, and I'm going to be like off the grid for some of that launch. But um, I'm getting – I'm just getting everything done and just – I'm going to leave and really take a true vacation, and I'm so pumped. And that's what you need to because you, oh, my God, the amount of effort that you put in to your programs, you kind of need – you should basically be starting every new program with a vacation and ending it with a vacation. That's true. That is so true. It's like you just – we were talking about this earlier, how like you never – know how much time something's going to take. I always underestimate every mm-hmm. single thing that I do. Like, oh, this will this will only take a little bit. And I've been working like I wake up in the morning and I work until I go to bed. And I'm not advocating for that. It's like a short period of time while I'm like getting this program off the ground, right. but um it is like no joke. But I was also saying like this is I love this. Like it makes me so happy. I read a quote yesterday. It was like nothing new. Everybody's heard this, but if you do what you love, you don't work a day in your life. And I'm like, that's kind of how I feel. Like it's, yes, it's a lot of work and yes, I'm busy, but it's like the greatest feeling. That's awesome. Be doing the most. Um, so, so what are you, what are you into? What am I into? Well, with all of this, th- you know, what's interesting. And I want, like, I want to get feedback on this, but I feel like when I'm working on something really intently, I'm wicked hungry. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And it's like, not like I'm any more active than I normally am. It's just, it's like something about my brain power. I don't know. It's requiring a ton of energy. So I've been so hungry. And our sponsor, Blue Ridge Hemp, sent us a care package, which might be the greatest thing or kind of the worst thing just in terms of the time because it's, they sent so many goodies and I've just been eating their, um, their dark chocolate CBD infused goddess ghee with a spoon which goddess ghee is um grass-fed ghee for anyone that it is insanely and it's made down in Asheville right yeah the goddess ghee so they partnered with this company and so it's a ghee company and they infuse it with their CBD and then it's dark chocolate and I think there's maybe sea salt and honey in it it's just I can't stop. Mm -mm. And I have, um, so you guys know, well, I shouldn't say you guys know, there's a recipe called for fuel bites on my website. So they're basically like fat bombs. Um, and I've been making those with the goddess ghee. And then I just posted this, this episode is going to air next week, but, uh, so go back a week in my Instagram feed and I posted a recipe for keto fudge bites and I used it in that and so good. It's it's like, you know how people go into the kitchen and they get a spoonful of like almond butter or something? It's basically that. It's oh, like exactly. you could you could easily just Oh, it's so good. It's so so good. I can't. You guys can go ahead and check it out. I'll link to it in the show notes, but they do um free 2 to 3 day shipping on all orders over $60. And at the time that we're 
um, the rec recording, they're running a special. So I don't know if it will still be the case when it airs, but I think it will be. If you um, go onto their website and you use the code, did you delete my code from our show notes? I don't think so. I think it's F fall. You uh, save uh, $5 off of every item. So save five yeah. bucks if you yeah. use that code. But it's if you go right to the website, it says it says the code. So um and you're going to be able to hit 60. And if you're, they also have a, a CBD infused coconut oil in regular and in chocolate, same with the ghee. And they have it in two different size, sizes. So you can get the smaller size of both of them and like try them out that way and hit the 60, get free shipping and basically just, um, yeah, just dive dive face first into both of those. Put on some Bravo, Real Housewives. <laughs> get yes. your spoon out and get ready. That is what my nights have been yeah. looking like. Put your phone on, do not disturb, and just dive in. Healthy fats, guys. Healthy fats. <laughs> um, but they have come in really handy because I'm developing a bunch of new recipes for the program. So, you know, not to say you have to get this stuff to do the program, but it's been fun. I've been eating a lot. Let's dive into our listener question for the day. Kristen Brown writes in, just read the this Chris Kresser article. It's a little depressing. Perhaps it could be a topic for a future podcast. So the article that Kristen Brown is talking about is The Dark Side of Green Smoothies, and it was published this past March. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Chris Kresser, he is a super smart guy. Uh, he studied Chinese and integrative medicine. He's got a hugely successful functional medicine practice out in California. He's a pretty big pillar of the paleo and the ancestral health community, but he's not a real dogmatic guy. He's really pretty open-minded. He's big into the research and like, let's look at the research and what that says. Uh, Kyle and myself, we're both really big fans and we follow his work pretty closely. His most recent book, Unconventional Medicine, we might have mentioned it on the show before, but it's one that I recommend everyone read. It's a really easy read and it just talks about the the state of affairs in our healthcare system. Um, really important stuff. So I want to preface everything I say today by first saying that he is one of my favorite guys. Um, so in this article, he's saying that consuming large amounts of veggies in green smoothies may not be very health healthy over the long term. And then he goes on to cite specific reasons why, and we will get into those specific reasons in a sec. But the, the reason that I chose this question is because, well, there's a number of different reasons. First and foremost, I do feel like these things have a three to four year cycle. So they go away and then they resurface and then they go away and then they resurface. And I remember it was 2014. I remember this because we had just moved into the house. Hattie was a baby and I was spending like all of my time in a rocking chair trying to get her to sleep. But there was an opinion piece in the New York Times about how green juice and green smoothies weren't really that great for you. And I had so many people reach out to me asking me about it. And I was just like, oh, my God. I, w I just remember being super annoyed by it, one, because I was exhausted, and two, because I was like, people just, like, sink their teeth. They hear one thing or they read one article, and then they're like, oh, my God, my whole world is coming apart. I can't drink green smoothies. And people really, really freak out about it. Um, and it's kind of like the whole – the whole meat is bad thing. I mean, every four years, meat is going to kill you. It's going to give you cancer. <laughs> it's going to kill you dead. Sorry. 
wait a year then it'll be fine again um but last summer we talked about this on the show like one of our first episodes last summer there was a big stir about how unhealthy meat was for your heart and all that kind of stuff so I really think it depends on where this information lands like Kyle let me tell me if you think this is accurate but I feel like folks in the the vegan community get super amped up anytime there's negative press about meat but then if you listen to people in the paleo world talk I kind of feel like they allude to the idea that veggies are a little bit overrated like yeah veggies are good but like meat's the greatest thing and I'm definitely not knocking either group when I say that. It's just some things that I've seen that kind of provide some easy examples. Obviously, two extremes, but... Yeah, everyone wants to be right and to just, like, just not have to think about maybe the other side of things. Yeah, set, maybe it's set multifaceted. Set it and forget it. Right, like, there might be some more some more facets of this. Um, Some of you, it's kind of plays on what you're just saying, but this idea of tribalism. Um, some of you guys might know that I'm in an internship right now with a woman called Jessica Flanagan. <laughs> woman called? called Je- <laughs> uh, also, that's her name. <laughs> also, her legal name. <laughs> you could call me Jessica Flanagan. My real name is Margaret. <laughs> like, what? She's like, Jessica Flanagan, a.k.a. Jessica Flanagan. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, anyway, she's a nutritionist and she deals primarily with autoimmune cases so she's kind of like my role model um but one thing that we've been discussing is this whole idea of tribalism and we're obviously seeing it pretty big time in politics right now but we're also seeing it elsewhere and obviously I'm steeped in the food world so I see it quite a bit in food we're all looking for our tribe right we all want to feel like we're part of something and when when we find that we're like, yeah, this is it. These are my people. And then we tend to look to the people in power to kind of set our own beliefs about things. And I've certainly been guilty of this in the past. Like I really do associate with a lot of the paleo principles and ancestral health principles. So I look to the Rob Wolfs and the Chris Cressers and the Mark Sissons to say, well, what's their opinion or belief about that? And now that's kind of my opinion or belief. Um, but I'll also say that I'm feeling this this pull increasingly more and more to pull away from tribes, like not really knowing where I fit in and speaking out against certain things in communities of which I've been a part. So if I see something that I don't agree with, even if it is from someone at the head of my tribe, so to speak, or even if it's from somebody I really truly admire and respect, I can't just buy into it. So with this, with this article, Chris Cresser is saying that one, cruciferous vegetables so that's going to be your kale your broccoli cauliflower brussels sprouts cabbage those are all cruciferous veggies they have been found to contain higher levels of a toxic heavy metal called thallium number two cruciferous veggies contain goiterogens which are naturally occurring plant chemicals that inhibit the uptake of iodine by the thyroid gland and then reduce the production of thyroid hormone thus lowering thyroid function and then number three Many leafy greens, such as spinach and collard greens, are high in oxalates. And oxalates are plant-based compounds that may promote kidney stone formation and inflammation when consumed in large amounts. So those are the three things he's saying. That's why green smoothies might not be that healthy. And 
guys, I gotta admit, he's not lying and he's not making any of this up. It's not erroneous information. He's just reporting the data. And I kind of feel like it's a situation of don't shoot the messenger. But my issue and the reason that I wanted to talk about it on the show is that it's it's the way that this information might land and how we interpret it and what we do with it that can potentially be the problem. Like now all of a sudden somebody reads this and becomes afraid of cruciferous veggies and greens, right? It's like what I was talking about with that New York Times article. You know, somebody reads an article and then I'm getting like texts and emails being like, I guess I got to stop eating kale. Uh. But like people start to worry that their food is harming them. And that's the problem that I have with this type of article. Do bear in mind that Cresser's audience is already super well educated about food and health. So he's not talking to people on the standard American diet that just need more leafy greens no matter what. So do keep that in mind because you always have to think about the context, like who is this person even talking to? But one point that I want to get across, this is my opinion, but I think that we need to seek out more harmony with our food and less food fear and less antagonism. So less of the dark side of green veggies and less this food is bad, this food is causing me harm. Because the way that we think about food, the way that we think about anything really, it informs our body and it informs our body all the way down to the cells. So if you've ever read a book called The Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton, it's a pretty, pretty famous book. Um, or if you've read any of Joe Dispenza's work, you sort of understand this premise. But it's basically the idea that thoughts are energy and energy can either activate or inhibit proteins within cells. So thoughts actually talk to your cells and can turn things on and off. And the power of the mind is super effective. Beliefs can control biology. But our beliefs really boil down to perception, like how do we perceive things? So if we're going into something thinking this food is bad for me, then you know what? That, that food probably isn't going to sit really well with your body because your thoughts and your beliefs directly influence your physiology. And that's a fact, Jack. Like there's no question about that. There's a Chinese medicine proverb that we've actually quoted on the show. Kyle, I think you've quoted it on the show before. Yeah. But it, it's better to eat the wrong food with the right attitude than the right food with the wrong attitude. I love that. It just really sums it up with like a nice yep. little bow. And ironically enough, we pulled that quote from Chris Kresser. That's where mm -hmm. I first heard it anyway. Same, so it's like, same. So this guy's a good guy. It's just this, maybe the title of the article is, in, I don't know, it's just rubbing me a little bit the wrong way. So let's get back to the, the question at hand. Kristen says that this article is depressing, and it is, especially if you enjoy green smoothies. Um, I hear from a lot of folks who have a challenging time getting in all the fruits and veggies they need. Like that's pretty much everybody because we need a lot more than we think we do. I personally aim for nine cups of plants a day, which is a lot. That is like a crap ton of fruits and veggies. I do that as a way to manage my autoimmune condition and to just feel better because when I do it, when I do hit those nine cups, I really truly do feel a lot better. But the easiest way for me to do it is with a smoothie because I can easily pack in three to four cups of plants in one smoothie, like two cups of berries, two 
cups of greens. It, that's so easy. And that's four cups right there. Um, we did we did a whole episode on smoothies. I don't remember which which one it was, but it was maybe like, I don't know, three, four or five. It was one of our first ones. So if you're looking for ways to get in more fruits and veg, um, you can check out that episode. We kind of give all of our like pro tips in that one. But the way that I see it is that most people shouldn't be afraid that they're overeating veggies. That's kind of like the thing that I want to highlight most in this episode. Most people that I see actually need to eat more veggies. And and keep in mind, the people that I see are already eating really, really good diets. So they, and even still, they need more fruits and veggies. So the person eating a standard American diet, like don't even worry about this. Don't even worry about this article. Just, just pay it no mind. It's like, the great and powerful laws behind the curtain. <laughs> I don't think that applies here. It's just what popped into my mind. But yeah, it works. It doesn't? I don't sure. know. I never know about these things. Scott's always like, you're misusing that. That doesn't make any <laughs> sense here. That makes no sense here. And I'm like, well, I say shit like this on the podcast all the time. So it's up to for people to figure out what I'm saying. Um, all right. So let's dive into the specific issues he calls out so we can maybe talk people off the ledge a little bit. Um, the first one is the concern of thallium and cruciferous veggies. So again, cruciferous veggies are cauliflower, broccoli, cabbage, kale, bok choy, Brussels sprouts. Those are the big ones. Thallium is a heavy metal. Whatever is in the soil that your food is grown in, it will get into the food itself. That's one of the reasons that soil health is so important and one of the reasons that like we're all sick and dying because our soils are depleted. But that's a topic for another show. Um, Evidently, thallium accumulates specifically in cruciferous veggies. So it, it accumulates more in those types of uh, vegetables and other vegetables that are grown in the ground. And I don't really know why he's calling out green smoothies specifically for this because people eat a lot of cruciferous veggies outside the context of smoothies. And while kale and cauliflower might make their way into smoothies, I don't really think too many people are popping in broccoli or, or Brussels sprouts. <laughs> like, are you? Are you putting broccoli in your smoothie? Hell no. Like it's maybe people are, but to me it sounds gross. Like I want to actually enjoy the food that I'm eating. I've heard broccoli sprouts, but even broccoli sprout or microgreens, I'm like, no, I paid a lot of money. I'm not just going to like blend that up. I'm going to like put it on a salad or something that Mm -hmm. I can actually see. Yeah, the broccoli sprouts are a totally different thing. And I don't even know if those would necessarily be considered. They're not growing in the ground anyway. Well, that's not. Yeah, that's that's true. If they're just the micro microgreens, they're like in a little. All right, we're getting off track. Off track. It. But broccoli <laughs> sprouts are like big ups to broccoli sprouts. I think it's sulfurane, sulfuroane. I don't know yeah. how to pronounce it, but they're really good for you. So eat those. Um, all right. Cruciferous veggies are wicked healthy for you in so many different ways. They're great for detoxification and liver health. Um, I personally, I would say that, that those benefits far outweigh any drawbacks. Um, and on top of that, organic produce may actually contain lower levels of heavy metals, including including thallium. So when we compare them to conventionally raised produce, it might not be as bad as as he's making it out to be. Um, and of course, we're, we are always encouraging people to buy as much organic produce as possible. And this is for a variety of different reasons, but let's add heavy metals to that list. Um, and then the next issue he talks about has to do with the thyroid. And this is a question that I've answered probably a hundred times over the years that I've been in business because it's a pretty big one. Um, cruciferous veggies contain compounds called gluco, oh boy, glucosinolates, 
also known <laughs> also known as goiterogens. That's how they're most frequently called. Um, and they can this is this is true. They can inhibit iodine uptake by the thyroid. And this is a problem because we need iodine in order to produce thyroid hormones. So if we're not able to take up iodine, we're not able to produce as much thyroid hormone. And this is a much bigger deal in the presence of iodine deficiency. So these goitrogens have more, an effect, more of an effect when we don't have enough iodine in our diets. And this is actually a pretty common thing in the US because, especially for like health-minded people, because if you, if you switch over from eating iodized table salt to sea salt, which many of us you know, the, who are health conscious do, we miss the biggest source of iodine in our diet is iodized salt. So that's really the biggest reason that I'm such a proponent of eating more seaweed in different types of seafood because they're, they're, they're sufficiently high in iodine. So just keep that in mind. Um, the good news there is that cooking cruciferous veggies breaks down the goitrogens. So you really only need to be concerned about eating large amounts of raw cruciferous veggies. So if you do have a thyroid issue, it's probably not in your best interest to pound a bunch of raw cruciferous veggies, um, whether that's in a smoothie or in a salad or whatever. Um, but again, probably the only two that you would use is in a smoothie is kale or cauliflower. So if this is a concern for you and you really like using them in your smoothies, then you can steam the cauliflower before adding it to a smoothie, um, steam it, and then freeze it if you're using frozen, which I think most people do for smoothies is use frozen cauliflower. And then for the kale, you can blanch the kale leaves and then freeze those for smoothies as well. And that kind of works, works around the goitrogen issue. I would also say that like if you really just like using raw kale or fresh or frozen cauliflower like without taking these extra steps or and you just don't want to take the extra step to to steam them or blanch them or whatever then just try switching it up. That's like the easiest, you know, kind of way around that. So if you're if you are having a smoothie 5 days a week and you just don't want to take these extra steps and you're concerned about this, then just, you know, try not to have a smoothie 5 days a week. Try to have it like two or three days. I mean, it's, you know. Or just and don't the, put and kale and cauliflower in your smoothie every single day. Yes, just like you have some point. some variety so you're kind of preventing some of that accumulation from happening and, and keeping that diversity in your microbiome, which we always talk about. You know what I'm wondering? Um, if you buy frozen cauliflower, is that steamed? No. Is that like cooked ahead of time? No, that's raw? Yep. Um. Okay. And then one thing I want to throw in there, since you touched upon the the diversity and variety, there, you know, there's a huge, huge I think you, I'm sure you've seen the meme. It's like 2018 car, uh, cauliflower has replaced all carbs. Yes, <laughs> I just saw that. Yep, it's so funny. Oh, it's so funny because it's it's funny how long it's taken for it to catch on. You guys or Kyle, you know, I might have talked about this on the show before. I was like pretty entrenched in the raw food vegan world for a while. This is like literally a decade ago and was eating all the cauliflower and the cauliflower rice and making cauliflower sushi and doing like all the things with cauliflower. And then it's taken like a decade for it to trickle down to the masses, which is just like big ups to the raw food world because you guys were doing the most a long time ago. But the I would say the downside of that, and obviously – 
cauliflower is going to be better for you than any gluten-containing refined flour products in my book, but leaning so heavily on one food is always going to be a problem, even if it's a healthy food like cauliflower. Like you want to get that variety. And so I know low-carb diets are so popular right now, but that doesn't mean you eat cauliflower like for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You're not having cauliflower smoothies and cauliflower rice and then cauliflower rice like pizza at night, you know, like mm-hmm. you need to get variety. And I think that's what we we do. We tend to just like swap out one thing for another. And it's like just creating more of the same problem. Um, that's one of the topics I'll actually address in the carb compatibility program is how to do all of this and still get a ton of variety because it's so important. Um, okay, so the final issue involves oxalates. Oxalates are formed naturally in the body. They're also found in some plants like spinach, Swiss chard, dandelion greens, beets, collard greens, berries, broccoli, cabbage, and carrots. Since most kidney stones are calcium oxalate stones, it's recommended to avoid high oxalate foods in individuals prone to kidney stones. Kyle, you tend to see more of this than I do. Yeah, and honestly, I mean... I can tell you that it, (laughs) I don't think that it's from people's diets when they have kidney stones most of the time. I really don't. Um, But drinking a lot of water throughout the day can also help with this. So that might make sense, you know, like if you're, if people have such a hard time getting in enough water, um, that might be, you know, contributing to this. But I don't, like carrots, oh, that hurts. (laughs) I know. I know. And just to be clear, we're not saying don't eat these foods. We're just we're just telling you about some things that are in the food. Right. I would say the bigger concern for most people with oxalates is that they bind to calcium in the body. And so they might decrease calcium absorption. Um, the highest oxalate levels are found in spinach, beet greens, and Swiss chard, those three greens. And because of their high oxalate content, they're probably not really a reliable source of calcium. So if you are a vegetarian or if you do follow more of a paleo template, don't lean heavily on those those three things as your source of calcium. It doesn't mean don't eat them, just don't rely on them for calcium because they might not be providing as much calcium as you think since they have that anti-nutrient that's going to keep you from potentially absorbing the calcium. Um, but not all greens are high in oxalates. There are low oxalate greens, including kale, bok choy, romaine, arugula, turnip greens, all lettuces, and then fresh herbs with the exception of parsley are all low oxalate. And, you know, to, to continue with this whole variety train, when you eat many different foods, not only are you getting a ton of different nutrients, like Kyle mentioned, but you're also reducing your reliance on any one food. And so you're reducing your exposure to things within the food that could potentially be problematic. So do I think oxalates are a huge issue for most people? No. But if you're eating spinach every single meal, day in, day out, and like a a ton of spinach, then it might be a problem for you. Um, But I wouldn't recommend that for anybody for any reason. Um, So back to what I was saying about my raw food vegan days, I've been drinking green smoothies for like a decade. Somebody gave me the Victoria Batenko Batenko book, 12 Steps to Raw Foods. I'm just shutting that out in case any listeners happen to ever read, read that. It's like probably 20 years old now, but it was my gateway drug into alternative health. Like that book, I was like, oh my God, this whole world, like what? (laughs) And Kyle, do you remember I used to bring green smoothies to class and everyone's like, what are you drinking? Yeah. And I'd have like smart food and I'd be like, my food's smart. (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, this is healthy, Erin. <laughs> but that one of the things, so I've been a, an avid green smoothie drinker for a decade. And one of the things that I've done really consistently is to rotate out my greens. And this is exactly why. Um, because this variety thing, because of the oxalate, because of the anti-nutrients, like just keep switching things out. Um, and that's really all you need to worry about. If you love green smoothies, cool keep drinking them. Just switch up your greens, switch up your veggies. Don't rely on the oxalate rich greens as a reliable source of calcium and be on your merry way. That's my take. Yeah. I think the intentions behind the article and providing the information was good. I just think it would have been better served if it was more of an individual basis. Like if you provided education about this to somebody who you did a comprehensive assessment on and you saw things on their diet recall that were concerning, instead of just kind of putting it out there like this for anyone and everyone to read it and then start to second guess their intake. And I know that's the name of the game for someone like Chris Cresser and I love that because as much as I, you know, we're taught in school how to read research papers and scientific studies, it's not easy for me to do that all the time. And I have a handful of, you know, just well-respected people that I follow who are constantly pouring over all the new research and then turning around and communicating what was found in a much more digestible way. So I really do appreciate the work that these people are doing and the spirit of helping people to be informed and letting them know the flip side, even a flip side of a healthy habit. And I think Chris Cresser does such a good job of making sense of confusing health information. It's just that there's so much confusion and second guessing within the health and wellness space already and such a spectrum for how far people can take things within that space and in the name of health that I'd hate to see someone who you know, is just trying to eat more greens and veggies to now second guess whether they're doing something wrong or if they should be eating less of these foods. So I think ultimately the information is valuable. It's unfortunately just like you said, Erin, it's just hard for some people to read an article like this and not run with it and immediately, you know, think that they need to apply it to their own intake and habits. So Hopefully, everyone who just listened to Erin break it all down for us can kind of take away the fact that, yes, there are some extra steps that you can take to help mitigate some of these concerns, um, but really just focus on variety and switching things up and, and yeah, keep on keeping on. Cool. We had an, have another question. Uh, Claire Giblin wrote in, I just saw your Instagram story on your home garden, and I'm wondering if you guys can do a podcast episode about starting a home garden. Basic supplies, foods to start with, different setup options or resources to go set up. I've always wanted to start one once I have a house, but feel like there is so much information out there. It would be awesome to hear your strategies and tips. Thanks so much. Love listening to the pod. Uh, obviously, it's a little late in the season to be talking about how to start a garden. So this question we're going to we'll get to this next spring and we'll bring on somebody that knows a lot more about it than Kyle and myself to kind of talk you guys through it cuz I I love I do love this question um but the reason that I'm I'm addressing it now is to really point out that it's so much more simple than I thought it would be. I was in Claire's spot for the past three years where I was just overwhelmed. There was so much information. I'd ask somebody a question and like the answer would just be so far over my head. I'm like no like 
tell me like what is step one like what do I do and so um, I'm just gonna briefly tell you guys what I did because it's worked really well and so you can kind of get your get your gears turning for next next year and I would really encourage people if you have the space to do this and even if you don't you can there's ways around that but I would really recommend it because I feel like there's nothing better than growing your own food um, so all we did we do have space all we did was buy raised beds so we bought one off of hay needle and I used untreated cedar wood because you don't want any treated wood because there's chemicals in that that will leach into the soil and the food um, we got it it was $80 it um, so hayneedle.com, it arrived in two days right to my doorstep and it, um, took me like five minutes to put it together myself. And then Scott, my husband saw it and he was like, oh dude, I can build that. That's so easy. So then we went to the lumber yard and got the wood untreated cedar to build two more. And it took us like two hours to pick out the wood. And then it took him, you know, a little while to make the beds and it cost us like $300 to make two oh. more beds <laughs> so um which was great i mean it's fine it's not that that crazy expensive but it's just funny that it costs like double what the hay needle one cost which was like yeah. essentially pre-assembled so just a heads up there i would I, you could just buy one and it's like you anyone listening can put it together themselves if i could put it together myself and then i got super loam which is basically um it's organic soil and um compost mixed in and i'm probably butchering this but somebody just told me what to get like where to go what to get and so i i did that and then i bought starter plants from farmers markets i did some from seeds but most of them i did from from farmers or from starter plants and that was it really that is it and i've had such good luck with it i did get um my mom doesn't have a ton of sun and so last year she got these mobile garden containers I'll see if I can find them and I'll link to them in the show notes, but they're like these big plastic tubs and they have wheels. And so she would literally just like several times a day, just chase the sun and she would roll these things around just so she could get sun on them all day long. And she grew, grew a ton of things. Uh, she's moving. So I grabbed those from her and I put them all on my deck and I have like a bunch of stuff growing on my deck too. So that would be like a real space saver or if you don't have enough sun. So I'll, I'll try to find those. Um, but you could also do just, pots on your deck for like an herb garden or something so that's all i'll say about that but just know it's really really easy and we will get somebody on the show next year to talk about um to talk about all of that yeah and i mean if you're like me and you live in an apartment i'm third floor so i don't have any you know outdoor space then i think it's great just to kind of like pick you, the herbs that you use the most often um I have basil and lemon thyme and mint growing, um, and it's just super easy to just you know put some put some pots by a window or get one of those planters that can hang out of your window. Um, so there's definitely options with that. And then if you're looking for a great place to get seeds from or to just like go down the rabbit hole of all of the different things that you can order, is go on Johnny's Seeds. Um, that's like the kind of OG website for buying seeds. Um, 
And then like you said, for the starter pots, try to get them from a farmer's market because in the beginning of the season, a lot of the farms, they're just relying on um, a pretty limited amount of produce that's growing at that point. And then the starter pots for income to like get things going. So if you can go to a farmer's market to get some starter pots instead of going to like, you know, like Home Depot or Lowe's or something like that, that would be really helpful to kind of help them kick off their growing season oh that's a, I didn't realize good that. start that's yeah. a good that's a good idea um and I would say that whether or not you have a garden or you're buying food from a local farm or farmer's market or whatever we do want to talk to you guys about what to do with all the bounty and the ways to extend your fresh local produce beyond the summer months um so that's yes, yes. you want to kind of take it away yeah so I think stocking up on fresh herbs when you can um, and then air drying them or freezing them is awesome. It's one way to cut out cut out like having to buy the herbs that are in plastic at the supermarket and then when you buy herbs from a farmer's market, you're just getting so much more than you would ever get from those little plastic containers anyways. Um, so air drying is good for oregano, thyme, marjoram, or um, sage. So think like Italian food, pizza, pasta, meats. So you take the bunch of herbs, you shake off the dirt, pull off any of the dead leaves, tie them in a rubber band or with some twine and just hang them upside down somewhere that is warm and dry and well ventilated and not in the direct sun. And then they'll dry anywhere from one to four weeks. And then you could just crumble up the leaves and store it in an airtight container. Um, Freezing herbs is another really easy way to make them last. This would be good for um, basil, although I've never frozen basil. Um, but it is one of the herbs that I, I know that people can freeze. Cilantro. I thought, I didn't it know It turns that. black. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's why I've never done that. But every single article that I was reading about like freezing herbs, they listed basil. And I'm like, I just don't see how. Like it, it, I, you never want to store basil in the fridge because it's going to turn black. So I don't. But your research says otherwise. But my research, my deep dive, says otherwise. So I really don't. I apologize to anyone who actually speaks like that. It's totally fine. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so <laughs> we're awful. Uh, so basil, cilantro, parsley. What the hell, guys? So this guy just like climbed up this really steep ladder directly across from where I'm recording this podcast <laughs> and just like pulled out a hammer and nails. So... I apologize. This is just, this is my life. What can I do? Um, <laughs> oh my God. So yeah. I can't so, hear anything. Okay, good, anymore. good, good. I'm already have all my windows closed and it's so hot. It's so, so hot. Um, so cilantro, parsley, tarragon, the herbs with the bigger leaves. So you can chop them up, pack them into ice cube trays, and then top them off with a little bit of water and freeze them. And then just pop them into whatever, you know, pan you're cooking in. I've also wrapped um, a bunch of herbs in a damp paper towel and then put them in a freezer bag. And then I take them out and I just use kitchen shears to cut off what I want directly into the pan that I'm cooking in. 
Um, I think the proper way of freezing these herbs is to blanch them first and then freeze them because this would allow them to stay in pretty good shape a lot longer. I just, I just don't do that. No, no. I just I've never don't. done that before either. I just nope. throw them in. Never. Shop them in the freezer. Never. I, I just, and I use mine up faster than that. Like I'm not looking to, to have this last until like April. Um, and then you can also do a puree using a food processor and some olive oil and then freeze them in ice cube trays that way. Oh, yum. Yup. Making pesto is another awesome idea for any leftover herbs. And this goes beyond just basil and pine nuts. You can use pesto um, doing cilantro, parsley, kale, collards, beet greens, spinach, arugula, or any combination of any of these. Um, always super yummy with gluten-free pasta, rice, quinoa, potatoes, eggs, meat, seafood, veggies, literally good on anything and everything. I just made a batch. Um, I got a huge bag of basil from the farmer's market, made a batch, put them all in, um, the silicone ice cube trays and then just popped them out in a Ziploc bag. So I can just add that to any dish anytime now. Um, another good idea is just to throw a bunch of veggies into a sauce, a chili soup, and just freeze that. Um, anything that you have an abundance of, you could make a stock, you could make any anything that I just mentioned, and just freeze it and keep it until the fall or the winter. Um, and just take advantage of all the local produce avail- that's available to you now, especially when there is an abundance of it or it's on sale or you know, whatever. Um, and you can store it for later so that you can rely on the locally grown produce as much as possible, fund the farms. Um, and then I know, so berry season is typically from May to July. So I think locally it's probably, um, you know, starting to come to an end for some of us. But then if, as long as you're just kind of like shopping within the U S you still have like everything from like California. And so awesome deals right now on a bunch of berries and I just rinse them and toss them on a parchment lined baking dish and then freeze them. And then I'll, um, use it for ice cream. Erin, you have been like killing it with the nice cream lately. Yeah, yeah, that looks so good. We have 18 blueberry bushes, so we get so many blueberries. And exactly what you said, so we don't – everyone's like, oh, they must last you all year. I'm like, they last us till August. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We just pound blueberries. Yep. But um, it's really important what you said to make sure – if you're freezing them, make sure you – like you don't put them in a Ziploc bag and freeze them because they freeze all in one clump. Make sure you put them out – like lay them out on one – layer on a baking dish, freeze them, and then transfer them into your... Um, Amen. Yeah. Learn that lesson the hard way. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. I have a pound, one, one, one pound blueberry. <laughs> <laughs> um, cauliflower and broccoli. So once that starts to starts to pick up more at the farmer's markets that's like we talked about awesome just steam a bunch freeze them for smoothies um use a food processor and make it into um collie rice and then just put that in a ziploc bag and flatten it up and just slide it right in the freezer um i know last year 
I was, I think it was last year. Maybe it was the year before. There was one year, one summer where I was doing um, the elimination diet to try to get to a bottom of like a bunch of things. And it was the the fall months and it was peppers and tomatoes and eggplant. And I was trying to avoid nightshades. And it was the saddest thing ever. It was so sad. Like I would call my mom after the farmer's market and be like, I just can't have anything that I want. You You also called me. Yeah, I was, it was really upsetting. So what I ended up doing that summer was I got everything. Um, I still bought everything and made a huge like meat sauce or, you know, sauce without meat. Um, all basically like not tasting anything. So just like fingers crossed and then freezing it. And then I had it had it in the winter and it was awesome. Oh, um, that's a good idea. And, and definitely if you're going to freeze a lot, I really go with the Ziploc, the freezer Ziploc bags, because like I said, you can flatten it and just fit more in instead of like putting everything in jars or Tupperware, that's going to take up a lot of space. And then reuse those. If you're using plastic bags, reuse them. So I just turn them inside out, give them a rinse, turn them inside out and then dry them. You can like stick them right on a window. Does that make sense? Like stick them on a window to dry them inside out. Um, I always just have it like in my dish rack with um, any kind of like cooking, um, a wooden cooking spoon. I just like hike it up with that and just let it dry. But yeah, just keep reusing those. Um, and same with winter squash when that starts to hit the, the markets, soups, steam and freeze those for smoothies. Um, steam them and just keep them around and then you can add them to soups later on and like to thicken the soup Um, and yeah I know that anyone that goes to the farmer's market regularly or is doing a CSA knows what it's like to have oh my god so much zucchini so much zucchini all the zucchini my (laughs) my yoga studio was giving it away last year like yep. people were just bringing in zucchini and they're like, please take it. Like have a yoga class and take a zucchini <laughs> home with you. It's, um, it's a lot. I did a recipe roundup for a zucchini recipe roundup for um, an email last year because for this exact reason. Um, so I'll, I'll sh- call out some recipes that I really like and I'll link to them in the show notes. But uh, first, I want to say that I the, the squash blossoms, so the, the yellow flowers that the zucchini make, you have to eat those. Did you? How did those turn out? Oh my god! It's like we a delicacy. Were, it was it's like just a amazing. delicacy. Scott, mm-hmm. Hattie, and I were like fighting for them. I made probably sixteen or, or so. Um, so what I did? So I mean, I've never had these before. I've never made them before. I was like, I just want to do this because I want to eat mm-hmm. them. First of all, those flowers are high in vitamin. Uh, seed. They're high in beta carotene. They've got iron. They've got calcium in them. So they're really nutritionally dense. And they're also, you know, something that you don't eat all the time. So there's your variety. So I made a, I'm going to, I posted the recipe on my website. So go to aaronholtshealth.com and the recipe will be there. But I made a uh, cheese with cashews and then I stuffed the leaves and then I pan fried them, Kyle, just like you told me to do. Um, flipped them, you know, did them like two minutes on each side and some avocado oil and, uh, it, it was just, it was so good. So good. So I highly recommend doing that. Um, with zu- So obviously you can do zucchini noodles. Um, you can add zucchini to smoothies. So this is if you have a ton of, an abundance of, of zucchini. Um, I just add it raw. I think some people sometimes will steam it beforehand, steam it and freeze it. I just always add raw zucchini to my smoothies. It helps to thicken it up, but without like making it super... 
you know, a lot of the things that thicken up are either high in sugar, like a banana or high in fat, like a avocado. And like, it's just a kind of a way to like thicken it up, but also not have it be super heavy or super sweet. Um, I make a raw hummus that's really good. So instead of using, um, instead of using chickpeas, I use hummus. So it's basic, or excuse me, I use zucchini. So raw zucchini and tahini and some lemon juice. And it's very, very good. I also add zucchini, shredded zucchini to a lot of baked goods. Um, I've got my real food muffins. That's a recipe on my website. Um, oh, I love those. Those are so good and they're very oh, easy. I went I went in, into a hard kick on those when you first posted about them. I know. We, we went through a hard kick for like two years and now I'm like, I need to, I can't really eat those for a little while. <laughs> yeah, get those away from me. Um, and then salad dressing. So I make, you know, I'm always posting on Instagram of like, I just take a ton of herbs, a ton of fresh herbs. I put them into a blender with some type of fat, whether it's olive oil or mayonnaise, uh, tahini, some type of acid, lemon juice usually, or apple cider vinegar. And then I'll also throw in some chunks of zucchini. And that, again, helps to thicken it up without it being like this super fatty, you know, like thick dressing. That's really cool. I just saw when you did your Instagram story about that. I had never thought to do that. And it's such a good idea. Um, yeah, and it's good. And it's like, you don't even know that th that's veggies are in there. Caddy really likes, um, sauces and like thick dipping sauces. So if like, that's just an extra way to get some veggies into ours to like yeah. puree that. Um, let's see, I've got healthy zucchini sticks. I've got that recipe up on my website, which is pretty tasty. You can dip those in marinara sauce. Um, and then... I'll just link to some different recipes that you can check out on the, in the show notes. And then if you're going to freeze it, you know, like Kyle was talking about freezing all your stuff, um, you can either freeze it raw, so cut it up into chunks and then just freeze it as is, or you can blanch them first. And so blanching just means you give the zucchini a quick dunk in boiling water for about a minute, and that's going to deactivate any enzymes that would otherwise cause the zucchini to become mushy and discolored. And then again, make sure you freeze in a single layer on a baking sheet and then transfer it to a large Ziploc bag. Um, and I also want to say... I have a ton of greens coming up in my garden and I was like there to the point where it was like way too much. So we've got Swiss chard, we've got two different types of kale, we've got spinach, beet greens. And so I just started freezing those too. I just, I just tear them up into pieces, stick them in a Ziploc bag. And then I have um, frozen greens in my freezer all the time. And I either saute them or I'll throw them into smoothies. And I actually like frozen greens in my smoothies better than I do fresh. So yeah, I, I buy the bagged frozen greens, like, yeah, pretty, pretty often. I haven't so much lately because I've been getting a lot from the farmer's market, but all winter I just get the bagged frozen, um, kale or spinach and just like mix them together in a big Ziploc bag and just do that because it works and any kind of frozen stuff works in the smoothie. Cool. That's cool. all I have to say about it. How about you? That's it. All right, guys. Well, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Goodbye. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you got something from today's show, don't forget, subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.